Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Golf Underground. We want to thank our sponsors, Mariner Wealth, helping you navigate your financial future. Lewisburg Ford, no one sells more F-150s than Lewisburg Ford. The Flats KC, look for your new home at theflatskc.com. Star Companies, best insulation and drywall at affordable prices. Sheridan's Unforked, eating good and feeling good. Greenside Cigars, you gotta check out the Birdie Stogie. And Sano Orthopedics, no one's better than my man, Dr. Kevin Whitty. So, enjoy the program. ESPN Kansas City presents Golf Underground, powered by Mariner Wealth Advisors, helping you navigate your financial future. Welcome to Golf Underground ESPN Radio here back in the stable here in lovely Kansas City, Missouri. Your boy Sully and Wardo back with another. Hey, listen, this is this is two shows within five days, Wardo. We're cranking them out, bud. This is becoming almost like a, an official radio program. I know. Right? We might just have our own. We're going to dedicate some of the space. We're not going to do the simulator. We're just going to do the recording studio. Yeah. It's going to have a fancy recording studio. Well, you know, when I came in today, you know, a lot of you folks, you've been listening for a while, and, you know, we talk a lot about the golf stable. But I'm not sure people understand what kind of stable that you're creating here because I walk in this morning, and the first thing staring at me are a couple ladies in yoga pants, right? I think one of them's got a wig out there, right? But she's doing the hop-hop up on the, some medicine ball over there. I mean, it's it's this is what you do in the stable. This isn't about golf. This is about you corralling women. This is ridiculous. It is not. This is Sarah's deal. This is Turtle's deal. So All right. she's trying to turn some of these... Um, Middle-aged woman into better players, you know? They're out there doing some physio and some plyo squats right now. I wish our guests could see it right now because it's pretty nice. Gosh, yeah. So I'm, I'm proud of you. So it's not only you making people better at golf, but it's Turtle, your lady, out there changing the planet. She's, and she women's. was trying to get these their swing speed from um, 41 miles an hour up to 48. That has nothing to do with golf. I can promise you that. <laughs> They're doing some fast twitch stuff out there. <laughs> I can tell that. <laughs> a lot faster than you can move there, Sully. Uh, hey, well, listen, it's great to have you back. We've got, um, of course, the goal is to um, add a little golf into your life, a little bit of fun, and we've got a real fun one today. And a gentleman by the name of Andres Gonzalez. So, Tawardo, tell me a little bit about this fella. Well, I've, uh, I've seen this guy around since the college days when I was at KU. He was at UNLV. I think I've got him by a year terms of age um and he's just been he's been out grinding on the tour he's been on big tour corn Ferry. he's had a fun time playing canadian tour and um he's got a really unique uh not only look but also some charisma that goes behind it he's quite marketable it's a good looking fella good looking fella he's yeah. sort of the anti-wordo Right, you. I mean, you. You don't even have the um, the 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 beard. You know, the little beard like the the guys have on the Bachelor. You know, or the Bachelorette. You know, you've got the little fuzz. You you. I mean, you're very traditional. I haven't even Short hit puberty hair. yet, so I can't grow any of that. But you're one of the only clean shaven fellows I know, as opposed to our guest today, Andres Gonzalez, who has a little bit more facial hair, or or at least used to. We're going to get an update on his hair stature. So, uh, Andres, my friend, thanks for joining us in the Golf Underground. Great to meet you, brother. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I'm excited. All right. Do you still have facial hair? I do. I still have my mustache. I grew a little pretty thick beard over COVID. But uh, our first tournament back on Corn Ferry Tour, we were down at TPC Sawgrass at the Dye Valley course. And I 
I was just sweating like crazy, man. I had to shave that off. So back to the normal look. The normal look being the, um, I don't know how you would describe the, the, the mustache, right? It sort of starts down at the chin, the first chin. Yeah. Kind of goes up. It's it almost looks like let's uh, let's describe it as the um, like the arch in uh, St. Louis, right? It's sort of up and around the lip, the top lip, and comes and settles right there at the chin base. Is yeah, that- I guess you just the easiest way to describe it would be a Fu Manchu, I guess. Nice, nice. <laughs> so when did when did the yeah, Fu Manchu? Going- when did that come about? Uh, probably two thousand five. Uh, it was my last amateur summer and. I really just did it as a joke and all of a sudden started having some pretty good success and kind of coming into my own as far as golf went. And 15 years later, I still have it. <laughs> wow. I love it. All right. How about the long hair? You still sporting the, the, the flow? Uh, it's not as long as it has been. It's definitely growing out a little bit right now. I haven't seen my gal to give me a cut in a while, so. You know, I mean, that's that's where we're at right now. And I'm probably going to grow it out a little bit, but I don't have any need to grow it out as long as it was in the past. I mean, it was when I cut it in the past, I cut off about 18 inches. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's like locks, locks of love. And it, it was, That's what I did it for. Did you really? I cut it for. Yeah. No, no way. Good for you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my dad passed away in 07 of pancreatic cancer, and I started growing it in about 09 right after I got married and that was kind of the main reason I'll tell you what I don't really I didn't want to really want to do it again after that because once it got that long it got real hot playing golf in the midwest in the summertime as you can probably imagine uh well hey god bless your your dad I mean that pancreatic disease is that's a horrible in fact I mean not to be doom and gloomy wordo but my best friend growing up in Waterbury Connecticut called me this morning his his wife just lost the battle uh last night to pancreatic cancer 48 years old and uh three kids so it's it's a deadly disease my man so that's that's admirable that you you did that for for a great cause no thank you all right, so let's let's dive in a little bit on you. You growing up, obviously born in Olympia, Washington, a West Coast guy, where that that those locks and that that handle that handlebar mustache are not quite as uh, as warm and hot. Not quite as warm. But talk talk us through how you got into the game of golf and, and kind of why. Uh, I guess it started when I was about eight, and my mom came home. She worked for the uh, VA hospital up here. And she came home with a set of clubs one day and said that some nurses up where she worked played on Mondays, nine holes. So my dad gave her grief for a while because he was a college baseball player and she'd go out and play every day. And then finally one day he said, all right, I'll, I'll try to go out. And he was instantly hooked and he got me some clubs and my brother was just born, so he's eight years younger than me. And we would take turns. We'd get a lesson for 30 minutes. Another person would hit balls, whether that be my dad or my mom, and the other person would watch the infant. And then after 30 minutes, we'd switch, and the other person would hit balls, the other person would watch the baby, the other person would get a lesson. 30 minutes later, we'd switch, and that's kind of how I got into it. Um, when I first started playing, I hated it. I was just the kid on the course that just threw tantrums. My ball was in my pocket half the time. and uh, So finally, my dad said, nobody wants to play with you if you going to keep acting like this and I didn't touch a club from eight years old until 13 years old and when I came back at 13 years old 
I don't know. I, I was a little more mature as a human and could handle it. And all I wanted to do was just hit balls on the range and I could just do it for hours and hours. And it kind of got me hooked. Love it. Love it. All right. So you progress, you get a, you get a little better throughout the uh, teenage years. And then, and then clearly you uh, had some success, success in the high school ranks. And then what would you do from there? Where'd you go to college? I know there was two stops. Yep, I went to Oregon State my freshman year, and then I, after my freshman year, I transferred to UNLV. But freshman year, I got my first little bit of freedom from my parents, and I was in a big school and classes of anywhere from two to hundred to six hundred people, and I just didn't really go to school that much. So <laughs> I would end up being kicked off the team at Oregon State because they told me I was having too much fun. <laughs> that sounds familiar. I didn't know there was such. I didn't know there was such a thing. Well, there, yeah. I mean, when you're in college and you're uh, trying to play golf and and so you don't, I wasn't you don't really trying to. I really wasn't trying to play golf that hard, man. I I made it on a college team, and there was no real ambition to play professional golf at that time. I was just thought I was on some kind of little fraternity team of golf and had had friends and played golf in the day. Had a free place. I just I thought I was living the dream, man. I love it. Yeah. So, so then you transfer over to uh, UNLV, and what yeah, what changed uh, there? I mean, if if it's me, and I have a lot of friends that played at UNLV, it's a pretty hard place yeah. to pretty hard place to concentrate. What'd you learn from transferring from Oregon State? Well, and let me say this: and if I'm boozing a lot at Oregon State and just partying <laughs> it up, I'm probably thinking UNLV is a good spot for me. <laughs> You know, right. I mean, it, uh, it ain't Notre Dame for Christ's sakes. Right. So here's, here's the thing. Uh, if I would have started at UNLV, I don't think I'd be playing golf today. Uh, but I started at Oregon state and one of my high school buddies was Ryan Moore and he was going to school down there and he was calling me kind of the whole year. He's like, man, it never rains down here. It never rains. And I just went from Washington to Oregon where it's still raining every day. And finally, once I got kicked off the team, I was like, all right, now I have a reason to transfer because I was having a good time, man. I really had good friends at Oregon State. I still have friends I keep in touch with. Um, But there just wasn't any kind of golf culture there as far as what was expected to succeed or whatever. We were just going to tournaments and playing, and we had a a team in the the Pac-12, Pac-10 at the time. But... Once I got to UNLV, Ryan vouched for me with the coach there and um, just kind of being around him and being around the coach and their mindset. And they'd they'd won a national championship four years prior. Um, That was really big for me, just realizing and kind of learning what's expected to play good golf and the mindset to play good golf. And when I got there, I had no business being on that team. But, you know, being a – competitor by nature i didn't like being the worst one on the team and slowly started to get better and better and that red shirt year was huge for me i dropped ryan off at the airport and he had one of the best amateur careers of all time right so every time he came home if he didn't win the tournament he was he was not happy and for me growing up i mean if i finished in the top 20 it was a great week So just kind of learning to change my goals and my mindset and different expectations that I had upon myself to to play golf. 
How do you do that? So, so I, I think a lot of we talk a lot about this, Wardo, right? I mean, we've we've had college golf coaches in here, and finding that balance between, uh, you know, you want kids crazy discipline, um, but you don't want to, you don't want to dehumanize them, right? And, and you're you're right. not trying to create a team of all robots, right? So, so you know, the individual the individual personalities make a fun team. Um, but you got to pack that with discipline. So something had to change when you got to UNLV. Certainly your personality didn't change. Your look probably <laughs> didn't change, but your habits oh, I, changed, right? What habits did you put in? You know, obviously you worked hard, but what were the things that you did or stopped doing that made you say, you know what, when I tee it up with Ryan Moore, I can't embarrass myself. Uh, so the biggest thing was when I got down there, it's, Ryan wasn't on that team. There's no chance I would have gotten on that team. They were that whole redshirt year that we were numbered. We never got to number one, but we were number two in the country for the entire year and taking these guys to the airport and picking them up from the airport. I was starting to get a little bit frustrated, especially since they were playing good golf. But at the end of the year, I was starting to get a little bit better. Uh, but the, the biggest thing that changed my life was my dad put the fear of God into me when I went down to Las Vegas because <laughs> I got kicked off a team at Oregon State. And he's like, and you're going to transfer to Las Vegas? This is what's going to happen. He came down. He sat down with me and the coach. And when I was at Oregon State, I didn't really go to school. I had a 1.01 term. Just I had a calculus class. I couldn't even tell you where it was. Didn't bother dropping. I never even stepped foot in the class. Just took it out. <laughs> and... That that impressed my dad, as you can imagine. So when I got down there, we sat down with the coach and we signed a contract. I was not allowed to be late for anything. If I was late for anything the next four years, I was out. I was not allowed to miss a class. If I missed a class in four years, I was out. If I got below a 3.0 in four years, I was out. Wow. And that was kind of the first time in my life that I had to put my name and sign it on a dotted line. And those were the rules. And that, that immediately made me disciplined as far as getting my work done at the same, don't get me wrong. At the same time, I still had a good time when I was there, Yeah. but it just taught me to kind of pick and choose my times because you needed to show up on time. We had, we had one practice a week. It was uh, Saturday mornings at, 7 a.m. and it, it was a putting and short game practice perfect and you just needed to be able to show up and and get your get your work done and the reason that we had one practice our coach was into giving us freedom letting us do what we needed to do he was good at encouraging people to keep working with the same teachers that they've been working with same coaches that they've been working with that got them to where they were but just giving them giving us every opportunity to to excel on our own terms and if you didn't practice you probably weren't going to play but he recruited everybody there that wanted to play at the highest level and wanted to to move to uh play professional golf and that was the biggest thing that changed for me once i started to get good I had one turning point. I mean, after I signed that contract, I started kind of doing it and, and working. Uh, but that redshirt year, I was 19. Ryan won the U.S. Public Links the year before. And his Christmas gift to me was he asked me if I would caddy for him at the Masters that year. So I got no to caddy way. at the Masters. Wow. Yeah, in 2003. Cool. 
And so that was the biggest turning point for me is that after probably Thursday, we got there on Sunday before the tournament. We were paired with Arnold Palmer in the first two rounds. And I'm watching all these guys. We played practice round. Len Matisse lost to Mike Weir that year in a playoff, but we played a practice round with Len Matisse. We played a practice round with Seve Ballesteros and Gary Player. Man. Um, Charles Howell and Steve Lowry. And I just remember getting done after Sunday and laying in bed that night and thinking, these guys, I was watching guys on the range and watching guys. I just wasn't really that impressed. And I was like, these guys aren't that good. <laughs> it's true, though. And, it's true. And when, and when I – Started, I kind of got upset with myself, and I'm in this little argument with myself at night, laying in bed, like, how can you, you're at the best tournament in the world, the best players in the world, arguably one of the best courses, how, do, how can you think, and all of a sudden this light bulb went off, and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good now. Wow. And that moment was kind of when I decided, when I went back home, I was going to start playing with more of a purpose. I mean, up until that point, I, I started practicing harder, I was going to school. I was making sure that every part of my life was pretty well-rounded. Um, but that I did, I had no goals or aspirations on what I wanted to do in the future. And after that, I was, I kind of got in my mind that I was good enough if I kept working on it and started setting goals to actually achieve some things that I could, that I could do it. How do you, how do you define those goals? Right? So after you have your epiphany and, and the next day starts, what does it become? Is it, I want to um, start shooting X. I want to win X number of tournaments. Like, how, how do you define those things so it's it's not just sort of this ambiguous, hey, I want to play better? Um, it was, I mean, I, I keep going back to this. Ryan, was such, he's probably the most influential person that I've had in my life in golf. And, you know, we keep in touch now, but, I mean, now that we both are, Live, he still lives in Las Vegas. I live up in uh, Tacoma, Washington. And the, the, uh, our lives have kind of gone separate ways as far as having kids and everything. But we're still friends and keep in touch. But I just pretty much set him as the gold standard. That was that was who I had to live with. It, if I couldn't beat him, then I didn't think that I was going to really have a chance. So I... I played golf with him every day. I set my class schedule up the same as him. I pretty much just was his shadow <laughs> and his mental approach to the game. Like I said earlier, if he didn't win a golf tournament, then he failed. And I needed to get that mindset. I needed to create my expectations and make them higher than what they were. I needed to expect to win and, you know, that took a while. That didn't really happen. So he, he went four years. I went five years. Didn't really, I didn't, I felt like I was playing for second place every single tournament. And back then Spencer Levine at New Mexico was, I mean, they were one and two. I bet you they finished one and two in tournaments more than anybody in the history of college golf. I mean, if, if he was in the field, I was playing for third place. And once Ryan left was the first time that something my next move up kind of clicked where I, I was the guy I was playing to win. Now I was, I was the best one there, but it, 
it took a while living in the same household as somebody that was so successful and just kind of playing with them every day and just getting your brains beat in every single day yeah. that, you know, once he left, it's kind of when I flourished a little bit more and kind of stepped up, stepped up another level, uh, probably from when I was 19. Yeah. Well, and it's a good lesson there, right? I mean, it's, um, you're typically an average of the five people who you spend most of your time with. And that applies to business. It applies to golf. It applies to your kids, right? If you hang out right. with success, you're probably, I mean, it's going to be hard to, to, to not take that stuff in. And, and so that's a great, I think that's a very real and um, transferable habit. It's go hang out with folks who you would like to be like. And, and I, I mean, good things will happen, right? Your habits changed. Um, you had more defined goals, right? I, I want to beat this guy when I play with him on a Tuesday. I mean, that's, that's awesome stuff. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to take a commercial break. We come back. I, I'd like to learn a little bit more about that master's trip, right? Because here you were, were you know, a, a mildly serious golfer. But then you get around the likes of Arnold Palmer, and of course you're bringing up Seve. I mean, these are unbelievable things. So maybe you could share some of the, you know, if you had any conversations, or what did you hear walking down the, you know, the fairway with, uh, you know, maybe Palmer saying something to Ryan, right? Because a lot of people want to know what's life like um, in that world, and and because it's really cool and it's really special, and you got to work really hard to get there, and you did it. So, hey, we're having a great uh, chat today with Andres Gonzalez from the great state of Washington as we're sitting here without your COVID mask right In now. In freaking Kansas. Hey, but here's the good news, Andres. You know, um, you know, Wardo, he doesn't worry so much about the COVID, but he's so fit that he, he probably has had it, you know. I am a little he's dumpy. He's so pretty, isn't he? Oh, he's really pretty. I'm like a dumpy. I don't have any hair. Can I borrow some off your chin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chins of love. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ag- Sam, Agnew has, Sam Agnew has better hair than I do right now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What happened to you? <laughs> well, there's still some there. There's just some power alleys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got divots on his back, you know. But he still only has one chin, so that's that's the good news. I, I'm the dumpy one, uh, Andres. I represent the uh, the short, dumpy, um, double-digit handicappers. Who but use, there is good news. Who uses a pull cart? I use a pull cart, and a, um, a if I, my water goes in the ball, I, I pick it. Wait, wait, are we talking two-wheel pull cart or three-wheel? No, I got the three-wheel. Yeah, I got yeah the, well, me too. That's what I, I have. Mine's a Sun Mountain. That's what I got, a Sun Mountain. I mean, right? Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't pull it all the time, but sometimes I pull I, it. Sometimes I, I push, push it. it a lot, man. We only have eighteen carts at my course, so we yeah. most people walk. It's pretty easy walking country club. And Kevin, that's what athletes do, bud. Yeah, oh, you guys are. Yeah. You guys are gonna make it he out ju- before the show's over. He jumps in a golf cart with the the likes of Patrick Mahomes, and yeah, I mean, he's way too big for us now, Andres. Whatever. You know, he used to be my Ryan Moore, but now he's big timey. I can't even play around with him anymore. He's full of crap. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen, Andres hey. Gonzalez, come join. Hey, we got more to talk about, Andres. Don't give up all your best material in segment number one. All right, this is Golf Underground, ESPN Radio. You're listening to Golf Underground on ESPN Kansas City, 94.5 FM. Cowell Insurance Services is your leading program administrator for workers' compensation. They're dedicated to meeting the unique challenges of the insurance industry and assisting employers in reducing their costs. CIS has provided insurance claim and loss control services to various industries, including trucking, construction, retail convenience stores, and healthcare, as well as public entities for over 30 years. They work with both retail agents and industry clients, or a combination of the two. 
If you're tired of fighting the rising costs of premiums and claims, give Cowell Insurance Services a call. Their dedicated staff is ready to find you the best insurance option at the most competitive price. They can help to define or enhance your safety program in order to move you in the right direction in reducing your claim and premium costs. Contact Cowell Insurance Services today, 816-214-4070. New golf clubs, a big screen TV to watch the U.S. Open, or maybe even a new golf cart that I've got my eye on. No matter how you choose to spend the savings, if you're looking to put a dent in your monthly heating and cooling bills, the answer may be right over your head. If your attic isn't insulated properly, you're missing out on a prime opportunity to cut costs. Call the certified energy experts at Star Companies, Inc., 816-353-2160 for a free estimate to learn how they can help you save money. 816-353-2160 or visit StarCompaniesKC.com. Welcome back, Golf Underground, ESPN Radio, Sully and Wardo back together, staring in each other's eyes. It's just fantastic. It really is. Hey, this is a big day for me, Wardo. Andres Gonzalez is with us today. And you know what else happened to me today, Andres? I, I have no idea. Well, this is you're going to be excited about this. I got my COVID-19 test back. You know, on, on last Wednesday, I go through, I got to stick this Q-tip up to my eyeball, oh. right? I got to spin it around, you know, a couple times. And then you, you just give it to the lady in the little vial and you sit and you wait. Did they pull out a Truly when they went up there? <laughs> <laughs> there was. And then you wait for the results. And this morning, you know, um, I've tested negative for the for the COVID. So, um, you know, congrats, man. Yeah, I tell you, if I'm really proud, I worked hard. You know what I mean? I worked hard to get here, and um, and so now I guess it's acceptable for me to um, take Wardo out for a uh, early afternoon cocktail at a bar because I won't infect you anyone. Should frame, you should frame that certificate of negativity. <laughs> It's it's the COVID participation certificate. It's perfect. Yeah, put it up. Put it up next to your degree on the wall or diploma or whatever you did. In oh school. yeah, yeah, my, yeah, right. Yeah, my six it? my sixth place ribbon on the swim team. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how, great hula hoop champ. Hey, listen, what's going on up? But you're from Tacoma, Washington. A lot of stuff going down there up there in Seattle. Now, I don't mean to get political, but what's going? Your state is it's just it's it, it's blowing up up there. Us folks in the heartland, we get nervous when you hear about you West Coasters. We've got crazies, man. Um, yeah, so up in Capitol Hill, I I'm probably 40 minutes from there, so I don't go check it out. But I mean, I, I know as much as you do about the news. They just have places shut down where no police are allowed i don't know really how any of that works or how that happens but yeah, yeah man we got we got some some crazies up here you know what i think um it, it, with the handlebar and like a little long hair i think you can get away with being in chop slash chaz and i don't think anyone will suspect you can go in undercover and get some intelligence report back on the golf underground that sounds like a lot of effort. <laughs> Especially when you have a two-week-old. So you have a two-week-old baby, too, right? Your whole part, your priorities change. Congratulations. Well, he's got more than one, I think. Yeah, that's our third. So I've got a five, a three, and now two weeks old, born on June 10th. That's awesome. Congratulations. But super pumped. I got my boy. All right. Wait, you're two girls and yeah. one boy? Two girls, one boy. Oh, life is so good now. I did the reversal. I did the boy and two girls, but you needed boy in the house. Got to have it. Yeah, time to get snipped. 
Yeah, you better go to the snip station or else it's going to get really expensive. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hey, Sully, before we went out on that break, you said that Kevin's big time in you and you can't even play with him, but you said you're you're kind of the, the dumpy hack. Right. Nobody wants to play with a hack, bud. Get better. Let's go. Well, yeah, he's tried that on me. He's tried that, you know, I got to work at this and the whole practice thing and good habits. And, you know, I don't totally suck, but if I do suck, I play really quick and I add a lot of um, – um, uh, emotional fun value throughout the day, right? So you can deal with me. It's, it, it, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, so so I'm a nine handicap, so I'm not embarrassing. Um, I will tell you, I've played against Wardo twice. Um, you know, of course, he has to give me a boatload of strokes, and he is over two. So I'm doing something right. He absolutely drilled me at Dismal River last summer. Yeah, I mean, so I'm just still so trying to. It just, it just sounds like it just sounds like Kevin doesn't know how to negotiate on that first tee. Then no. That's where that's where it's won and lost. So at least you got him there. He does. You know what he does? Because exactly that. He he. There's no way he would um, give me less strokes because that would he'd feel like he he was being wimpy. So he just accepts his plus whatever the hell handicap. Add it to my my nine handicap. When you do the math, holy shit, I'm getting a lot of strokes. And at the end, I usually end up winning. And I'm proud of that, Andres. Like I'm very proud of that. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. Yeah, you you should be. Everybody likes diapers. <laughs> and i am the two-time net club champ at my uh, my club and uh they don't give parking spots for the net club champ and i think that's um it triggers me it, it does and and you know so you, you're actually better than what you say because you're a sandbagger if you're the two-time <laughs> net champ exactly exactly i'm smart about it all right very he's smart. really good with the pencil and he he cannot find that gin app uh, after that good round but i do find he, he can find it after the 96s I, I do find the gin right <laughs> I find the gin though. For sure, the pencil has an eraser on it. Yep, <laughs> for sure. All right, hey, listen. Before the break, we were talking about your your epiphany when you you carried Ryan Moore's bag and you were around the likes of Arnold Palmer and Seve and and I mean it, all the guys who happened to get in that gig. What what did you learn? I mean, you sat in your bedroom after, but were there some specific conversations where you're like, oh my god, or maybe even conversations that Ryan was like, this is unbelievable that this is happening. Anything really blow you away? Yeah. Uh, probably Stubby blew me away because, I mean, it was the end of his career. He was still just playing off of past champion, and he just hit the golf ball like garbage. Oh, really? It, um, just seeing that this guy was as good as he was, and it was disgusting. Ugh. But in this practice round, he was still just a wizard, man. He'd take different clubs, low, low lofted clubs, high lofted clubs hit all these shots around the green that in my mind, I, I don't have that shot. Yeah. I can't make the ball stop like that. I like hitting five irons around greens and just hitting them like putts to where they'd roll up over ridges that are shortly cut and kind of watching the way he'd hit bunker shots and he'd take, I mean, he hit a fair amount of bunker shots greenside with like a nine iron. I'm like, this guy's crazy. How do you do all this? And so then it just kind of became trying trying to do it. Not that that's the shot that I'm going to play in a tournament, but just going back and practicing what he was doing and how was he able to do that and kind of just feeling comfortable trying different uh, clubs and different shots and just making your touch better i mean that was the biggest thing that probably that i took away from it um also to me i was 
uh, younger at the time. And I just got to go into – I, I learned a lot from caddies too, uh, hanging in that caddy shack. And mm-hmm. they had a few kegs of beer in there, which I was pretty excited about. <laughs> and I just kind of sat in there as, as much as I could and listened to caddies talk and kind of picked their brain on how they – would set their player up and how they would play to whatever their player's skill set was and kind of start to learn what I was good at and what my skill sets were and what I needed to get better at. But what, what part of my game am I going to focus on that I can become that I'm already good at, but I can become very, very good at and one of the elite players at, and then make sure that everything else is pretty dang good also. But I, I think that every player has something that they are absolutely phenomenal at that, that plays at the highest level in the world. So yeah. that's, is that kind of what you see is the difference between the guy that wins majors or that, you know, bounces back and forth or like, what, what do you see? Obviously you, you made the comment that, you know, these guys are, they're good, but they're not, they're not that good. Is it, is it, they just right. between the ears and, and their game plan and their prep and, and them playing so, to their strengths? So is much the, of it is, yeah. So I, I think people have some physical strength. So let's say, uh, let's just pick two people like Dustin and Rory. Both of them just are phenomenal drivers of the golf ball. They hit it far, they hit it pretty dang straight. You're, you're going to have a lot of luck because if you're hitting your, your drive, and your tee shot's really good, hitting irons and wedges should be even easier, right? So yeah. even if their wedge game isn't sharp or they're hitting everything inside of, you know, five to eight feet, it's still going to give them a lot of looks because they're still hitting wedges. They're going to have a lot of looks on the green. Uh, and when they get their putter going is when, you know, they're, they're hard to beat. Uh, you take someone, I mean, we go back a ways, but, Brad Faxon, someone else not uh, known as a great ball striker, but he was just known as a phenomenal putter, had a great career just as far as making putts over and over. Um, we'll go back to Ryan. Ryan's one of the best putters I've ever been around. Uh, he's just a very clutch putter, and expect you can expect to see a lot of putts go in with him. He drives it pretty straight, but he's not super long so it's not a huge strength but he's in the fairway and he can he can get it on the green and get himself a lot of looks but they may not be as, as close as they they can be a lot of the time just because of a sheer length issue but um that was probably the biggest thing i took away was just learning what strength i wanted to to have i had putting and short game as a strength of mine and i'm constantly working on uh driving accuracy and making sure that, I mean, I'm a big guy, I'm long enough, but at this point realizing I'm not the longest guy uh, and these young kids coming out are just naturally going to hit it by me. So I have to realize, kind of keep my ego in check and not try to overswing and make sure that I'm controlling the ball and keeping it in short grass. What's the key? What do you think the key to Ryan's putting over the years? Obviously I was, we were both playing amateur golf during his run in 04, 04, 05 ish. What, 
What's the key to his putting? Is it just he steps over and thinks he's going to make it, or is it a little bit of the mechanics, or is it he can read greens? Self-belief. I think yeah. just self-belief. Uh, he's very very good at okay, – if you look at his, his stroke, it's nothing – his setup and everything, there's nothing like square lines and whatever. He has square shoulders, but his head stays very – so everything is very, very still when he makes a stroke. And in his mind, he's making every single putt he looks at, which you have to do. If you don't think you're going to make it, then what's the point in hitting the putt? You're probably not going to make it. But self-belief is the biggest thing. And you asked what I took away from the Masters that year. Everybody that I talked to just had a confidence or a swag about them. That, I mean, you, you look at Dustin walking around, he looks like he's got the biggest balls on the entire course, just with the way he walks, or like Gary Woodland. But that's kind of an example, just the way they walk and conduct themselves. And not everybody looks quite as good walking as those two guys, but everybody's mindset when you talk to them is very confident. And self self belief is such a huge thing. And if you don't have self belief, then it's going to be tough to do it in anything that you're doing, whether it be business or golf or you have to believe in what you're doing as it being the right way. Cause there's a lot of different ways to do it out here. You're seeing Bryson DeChambeau going in such weird directions as far as strength and trying to get speed and the way he puts, but whatever he's doing, he is 100% committed to it and believes in what he's doing. And I think everybody out there that is successful doesn't care how anybody else is doing it. They believe in themselves and they believe in the process that they're, building and working on with their with their swing coach with their mental coach I mean, whoever it may be but with the team that they have set up around them uh that it is the right way for them to succeed absolutely uh speaking of that on the bryson front what what is your thoughts i mean you got woodland here in kansas city or outside kansas city that during covid starts down to trim makes a mission to lose 10, 12 pounds and winds up losing 20, 25. And then on the flip side of things, you got Bryson going about it, becoming effectively a, a Hercules that is now getting ball speeds of up of upwards of 200 miles an hour. What's What works or do they both work? I think they both work. I mean, Gary's obviously naturally long. Uh, I think the older you get, there's probably going to be a point where Bryson's going to want to thin down, but he's still fairly young. Um, but just longevity, guys are going to want to just stay limber is the main thing, whether or not you want to get bigger or smaller. The, the main aspect for speed that I've seen over time is being able to stay limber, which is, you know, Phil's always on TV and Phil's, gone he's fluctuated weight he's pretty trim right now pretty fit but the the ultimate thing is guys that try to that are older and and try to stay trim i think the main thing is just being able to turn and stay flexible a little bit more and not have to carry quite as much mass and really help longevity is the main thing but I, i think at some point i don't think this is going to be how bryson is his entire career and if it is then we'll see how the body holds up, but as long as he can stay limber at that size, 
then who, who knows? Because as far as right now, he's he's figured something out that he's producing some speed and he's he's hitting it pretty far. I don't know who to compare him to right now. Who who in the past would you say has done this? No one stands out to me, right? Tiger did it a little bit, but that was a little I mean, I, yeah, really I, I would say Tiger from like 96 to 2000. But he didn't look like but that. He did. You know, he, he was pretty no. damn small. I mean, he didn't he didn't look as, you know, beefy. He was skinny. I mean, as far as the weight that he put on, he he put on some weight from right when he turned pro and said hello world to 2000. I mean, over a four-year span, he, he put on some weight. Yeah. But I think it's just more shocking to see that Bryson did it in a four month span. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You or know, Bear- however, however long it's. Well, I think the moral of the story we've had, you know, we run golf fitness and TPI screens and run, you know, dozens of players, whether they're high school, mini tours, you know, the weekend warriors, you name it through Patrick here, Mahomes, whatever. And the moral of the story is if people, if I, I don't watch him hit a single golf ball and I watch him do the screen with the K vest and all the fancy stuff. If they move like shit, they're going to hit it. They're not, I going to know, I know what their golf swing is going to look like or what their swing faults are going to be. So I think the moral of the story is if you can move well, whether you're playing professionally on the amateur side or, or whatnot, I, I just think you got a better chance to not only hit it farther and straighter, but play longer. Right. So that I think that's yeah. you know one testament to Bryson with bulking up. He's done a lot of that, the ART where he's you know getting stretched out and you know he's staying as limber as he can. Um, and so when he does take lashes at it, trying to get it up to two hundred, you know he's yeah, not. No, I think it's great that he's on Sammy Sosa's uh, fitness program, <laughs> and I was a big Cubs fan, and I think this is good. I, it'll take a few years to be found out. I think it's it's not a big deal. <laughs> Whatever, man. The guys. <laughs> I think the the incredible part is watching him take these lashes. It doesn't seem to be really affecting his accuracy that much. I know it's <laughs> unbelievable. He like flies out of it. I mean, he He's honestly looks like the weekend guy. Yeah, come, totally. <laughs> and it yeah, it's it's pretty, it's pretty impressive, man. I. I, I don't I don't comprehend how he's able to keep it that squared up while thrashing at it <laughs> that much. I, I don't know. It's it's well, it's, it's crazy. I've never it seen anybody just focus. Let's just say you hit five. Let's say you hit five or six drivers in one round. Now all of a sudden, you're even if you don't hit it in the fairway on a par five, you you've got mid to short iron in there's a good chance of it right if you're if you're getting ball speeds at, let's just say you're getting ball speed at 190 195 but i think yeah, it'll the, be the, the, which is which is still hard to even imagine for me at least yeah he can flat out go the the thing that the thing that where he's going to take off it's going to take him a little bit to realize this but uh when he decides to grab a wedge that's regular length what's he have now a six iron length Wedge, lob wedge, sand wedge. Why does he do it? Keep him upright? That's what he's always done. That's what he did in college. So anyhow, I mean, it's a... I, Again, I, and going back to just self-belief, I mean, he believes that that's the right way and that's the proper way to do things. Right. And as, as long as he sticks with that, that's... I mean, he's pretty, he's a pretty good player, man. Oh, my gosh. He's really good. Every week. It's unbelievable. He's, Wild. He's... 
a hell of an athlete. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, you brought up um, the physical fitness of the one uh, Tiger Woods. So obviously you were a big admirer of this young man. And then um, you got your break and you're a rookie on the PGA Tour. And there was this new social media platform called Twitter, another <laughs> West Coast establishment right up your alley. And you decide <laughs> that you're going to become Twitter fantastic. And um, so maybe um, tell us a little bit about um, your Twitter game in your early days. And you uh, one day or one night were sitting in your bed and, and maybe on the couch, maybe Maybe I, had, was in a, I was in a bar. All right, okay, I was just going to say maybe you had a vodka in your hand sitting on a couch or in your bed. All right, but you were in a bar, and you decided yeah. to send a tweet um, with an at Tiger Woods uh, with it. Tell the folks um, the tweet that you sent your uh, your rookie year on tour. Yeah, I'll paint the stage a little bit here. So I had a friend that I grew up with, and she went and went to school at Yale and she transferred, not, not transferred after she graduated, she came to UNLV and, uh, rented a room from the condo I was living in owned by my folks. And we were out at a bar and we're drinking beer and we just started talking about everything. Right. And so Twitter came up and I was like, I don't really understand it. Like, why does anybody, care that you had a sandwich for lunch and she goes well you're actually a perfect person to to do this to she goes that people actually want to know where you are in the world as far as golf and you're able to kind of just post different things she goes what you got to do is like create something funny make make something that that's going to be funny and she goes you know what you should do and she takes a drink of beer and she goes you should tweet tiger woods and i had my beer up into my mouth and i just immediately put it down i was like that's a pretty good idea so my first tweet that i ever send to tiger like hi tiger my name's andres gonzalez i'm a rookie on the pga tour this year my favorite color is green and i love elephants <laughs> and radio silence nope. yeah no response and so from then on, about once a week, I would send out a text, maybe about getting a practice round or uh, maybe if he wanted to room together so that we could cut down on some costs. <laughs> uh, just a bunch of random stuff, man. But I, I kind of got into the marketing side of it, of realizing that it's, it's pretty hilarious that Tiger and I are on the same tour obviously playing different schedules just of the the caliber of events that he's able to get in uh compared to me i was on the canadian tour the year before i just i thought it was a pretty funny and interesting thing for fans to see and compare you know what i a, a mini tour player that got through q school and was playing his rookie year on the pga tour compared to arguably the best player in the history of the game and that were on the same tour i mean we played in a handful of the same events that year. And it's definitely a different electricity when Tiger's in the field with fans. Like you can pretty much tell where he is on the course at all times, just based off of the little, the, the wow. murmur of fans and the, and the electricity of where the energy is coming from on the golf course. It's, it's pretty incredible. Well, and, and I think what the Twitter does for you, um, and guys like you and the PGA tour in general is, you know, people want to root for the regular guy. 
right? I mean, Colt Nose did this yeah, real well, right? It, it, He's a lot like Colt, right? I mean, it, it's human. I mean, it's fun. You don't have to be Bryson. Yeah, it, it's, that's the same thing. Uh, someone who's really started to kill it and made a name for themselves and just the media world is Max Homa. Yeah. Max had a good following. I had that Tiger deal, and then Max had a different deal where he's kind of critiquing everybody's golf swings that are sending him swings. And it's a cool niche, and it makes the everyday golfer that may not be that good send a video to Max and be able to have him respond to you of this guy that you know, seems untouchable because he's on the PGA Tour and that you're never going to meet him. But if you're interacting with someone is it, it makes him seem like you said an everyday guy's guy totally well let me uh, let me share some of my favorites um, that you posted uh, listeners will enjoy this hey at tiger woods <laughs> this is andres Gon- gonzalez people at tiger woods as you probably know my birthday was this week i believe you owe me a night around a campfire with songs and s'mores <laughs> ttfn ta-ta for now now that's a nice one then followed by not too long after um tiger been awake since 3 a.m um you awake yet let's chat <laughs> that's a good one how about this one anyone have a pill anyone have a pill that will give me a six-pack abs while sitting in my hotel room doing nothing at tiger woods how you look like that <laughs> I mean, I mean, these are funny things right i mean and and, and and of course it is um you were so good at it whether you, i don't know if you dubbed yourself this or, or the world did Half man, half amazing. Um, it has led so to some. <laughs> it was self-proclaimed, right? And I mean, it has uh, led early on um, um, to uh, those Kenny Powers um, associations. You became a bit of the right. Kenny Powers of golf. That too is fun because what? Who the hell's? What's more fun than Kenny Powers? You wanted to become the Kenny Powers of golf. Does that make you a bad person, Andres? <laughs> I just thought it was. I thought it was funny when you have all these guys yelling mashed potatoes now and getting the whole every. So at the U.S. <laughs> Open that year, Rick Riley wrote an article about it. And the next, the day that it came out on ESPN, um, I had a huge fan base all of a sudden. I had, <laughs> I, I had people following me that I'd never played in front of that many people. And every time I hit the ball, people would just yell, Kenny Bowers! And it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was flattering. Uh, it got a little. It got a little old for a little bit. I mean, same thing with that Tiger thing. I I play well in a tournament, and the first thing has Tiger responded yet? I was like, no, I just shot sixty five. Can we talk about that? I was like, oh, when when do you think he's going to respond? I'm like, I just shot sixty five. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was good. It, it was good. It got my name out there, but yep. it also. It's it's weird dealing with attention like that and kind mm-hmm. of trying to get used to it. And I wanted to be known for uh, from the golf that I was putting out. Right. So right. Yeah. You you, being, you didn't want to be typecast, that. right? You don't want to be typecast. Right. I mean, you know who went through this? Kinda, you know who went through this? Who's that? Leonardo DiCaprio after um, after Titanic. I mean, you get typecast, and it's tough to break yeah. free of this. And uh, Miley Cyrus, she had to break through it too. I I really appreciate you comparing me to these two superstars. <laughs> That's what, you're right. I'm like I'm like DiCaprio. I didn't even think about it. That's like right. That. That's right. But you know what? You have to embrace it. I don't think you totally can it, 
right? You don't change your name or anything to like, I don't know, what would we call, if you had to change your name and that would now be identified with Premier Golf as opposed to Kenny Powers, what would your new name be? Wow. I mean, I'd have to go with Leo now. <laughs> Leo Gonzalez. Leo Gonzalez. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Or Andres DiCaprio. Oh my gosh, that's like Antonio Banderas. I mean, you're going to be in Disney films next. Maybe we can get that on the back of the caddy bib from one of the tournaments. Now, nowadays, <laughs> no, they're, yeah. me- they're messing with the caddy bibs on the tour. Right. <laughs> we can do that. For, well, next year, if you're, well, next year when you come through KC, if you do come through KC, since they canceled the dang tournament this year, we're going to do that for your caddy bib. Oh, that'd be good. We'll but just, the- yeah, we just have to make our own. I mean, what are they going to do? It still says Gonzalez, and then we can just put another. We'll just bring our own. He's the Velcro. Yeah. So can Soli caddy for you for a couple holes in the Pro-Am? Come on, Andres. Oh, Leo. yeah, for sure. We can make that happen. Yeah, thank you, Leo. I'm telling you. you. I, 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 I'll, I'll be good. I'll keep my mouth shut. Although I'm really good at reading putts, I got to tell you. Growing up as a caddy. Yeah. yeah. Leo, Leo the Lion playing with Eldrick the Tiger. Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know what? There, we could maybe do a screen play and, and maybe pitch it, you know out there in the, in the West Coast. It could be done, right? And by the way, you know who yeah, this reminds us of? We're great friends with the local champion here, Club Pro guy, is a Kansas City guy who who made a similar uh, um, brand of... Um, we might even be able to get you into the learning center and get Cl- a lesson. With Club Pro guy, would you do that? A vid with Club Pro guy and just let him bring out the pool noodles and kind of coach, yeah, coach he, you up a little bit? Does he have Ranjay balls? He does. Does he have? Does he have the stripers or what? Well, what are we hitting balls with? Yeah. I mean, because I I've gotten a little bit big time now. I need. I might need to bring my own balls if he's just got stripers. He's got mojos. He's got mojos. He's got molitors. He even yeah. Schwartzel sent me some of those clear golf balls that that Schwartzel's playing. I might have to give him the club pro guy. Well, if he's if he's got molitors, then those are old school. I can <laughs> make does. that work. Top, the top fight magna. That's a great yeah. ball. Well, he's he helped. Those. He helped Jay Don Blake. You know, with the new balls, I think he could probably help you. So, so I won't make that happen. Gosh, I'd love, I'd love to meet this guy and see what he actually looks like. I think it's he, he's created a pretty good brand for himself and really made people laugh at every single level of golf, which I, which I think is is hard to do. Yeah. Uh, without a, a platform such as a professional platform where you're on screen all the time, but. He's gonna teach you it, how to. He's gonna teach you how to stack and home. jilt. Yeah, say again. Right. It's, it, it's cool listening to guys at my home club that follow me. Like, did you see what this guy said today? I was like, yeah, man. I mean, he he he, professional to just weekend warriors all follow this guy, and he's done a pretty phenomenal job marketing himself. Well, and it's guys like you a few years back, right? It's guys like CPG. Um, have really changed golf and I think introduced it to the regular guy, right? Even apparel now. You know, you walk into to my club and you'll see the hats with, you know, shot um, shot 70, oh, shot 76. Or, you know, like goofy. And it's a, yeah, yeah, like goofy little things have been, it's it's acceptable now. And I, I do think it, it, it draws in the, um, the regular six-pack Joe, and so the the sport isn't perceived as a you know a uppity class you know country club gig, right? Go grab your six pack, fill up the cooler, put your goofy CPG attire on, and go have a freaking fun day. And, and, and I mean, that's to me, that's I call that Saturday at noon, brother. 
<laughs> well, plus, is, if you're a weekend warrior and you don't want to go out and play and you want to get your golf fixed through all this stuff, I mean, shit, two years ago when we started this gig, what was a podcast back then? Now you got all, you got Colt Nost and all of our good friends trying to copy ah, our stuff and go global. Bunch of posers, right? <laughs> I mean, this Joe Rogan guy kicks in, thinks he's going to kick ass. Nothing. What happened to him? A lot of them fail like him. All right, no. well, take us to a commercial break. When we come back, we clearly have to do this shared, and it's an unforked emergency nine. I got some great questions from some guys. and uh, So we'll dig deep into Andres slash Leo Gonzalez and learn things we, and get him to say oh, things uh, he shouldn't say on, on radio. I like this. We're going we're gonna to play a question game? We're going to oh, question. Yeah. That's you right. better be ready. We're ready, right? So, I'm still ready. Yeah, I hope your kids are still sleeping because this may get wild. So come on back. We're with the great Andres Gonzalez slash Leo, the man. Knows how to bring fun to golf. This is Golf Underground, ESPN Radio. Hey, Brian Sullivan of Golf Underground with my favorite orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kevin Witte from Sano Orthopedics. Why is Sano Orthopedics the absolute best sports medicine orthopedic group in Kansas City? Well, if you want to see the guys in town have had the best orthopedic fellowship training in sports medicine, um, including training with Dr. James Andrews and Dr. Larry Lemack, come see us. Uh, we individualize patients' uh, plans to get them back to that activity and that sport that they love. And we actually care and listen to our patients and follow up with them make sure that they're getting the results they need okay and so the three things that separate you number one best training number two you specialize in getting people on that field number three you're actually listen where can i learn more because you got me all in and i don't really want to get fixed but it's time at sonoorthopedics.com 816-525-2840 hey what's up golf underground nation this is brian sullivan co-host of the golf underground with the greenside cigar company here to tell you about the hot new cigars that are about taking over the golf industry and yeah i'm talking about the patented birdie stogies you guys have been seeing for sale all over the local golf courses these cigars come highly rated and are the ultra premium alternative to that dried up old stick you've been using to celebrate your made birdie putts designed to be carried in every golf bag and saved as a reward for celebratory achievement our cigars are bringing golfers added relaxation fun and perhaps maybe even a little luck from mild to medium, smooth to sweet, we have a cigar suitable for every taste palate and golfers at all skill levels. So no matter your celebratory occasion, enjoying a victory stogie at the clubhouse after a low round, immediately after a made birdie putter, hey, even to help you relax and simply celebrate being out in the golf course, make sure you never approach the first tee again without one of our beautiful cigars in your golf bag. So learn more and order online at greensidecigars.com or just Google the birdie stogie because after all, there can only be one. Hey, Brian Sullivan here, and I've got a tip for you. You've got to head to Unforked. It's an amazing restaurant. What I like about these guys is they promise to buy and support seasonal local ingredients first. And I love the fact that they source from smaller, family, GAP-certified, or organic farms, prime-going regions, artists and producers. All I'm getting at is, if you like fresh stuff, Unforked is the place to be. And like they say it, fork or no fork. You can be sure you're getting the highest quality, socially responsible ingredients possible. And not to mention, it's delicious. So whether you're out south or downtown, stop by Unforked for a delicious and healthy meal. Sheridan's Unforked. Honest, clean food. Listen, you, you, you're you're pre, pre, pressing those buttons like you're um, 
You're like a Bismarcky. DJ. Like you're about to go wiki, wiki, wiki I'm on a that. DJ. I love this thing. I'm, I'm going to take that board away start, from you. Start throwing those fist pumps in the air, man. Oh, my gosh. This is... We are. Yeah, go ahead. Go, baby. Hey, remember um, Andres Gonzalez where we used to be able to go to concerts and stuff, right? You can put on like your wife beater and you know what? And you show up. You got the you got the Fu Manchu going. You got the hair. You got a little baseball hat on. You're rocking it out to a little, uh, uh, a little Guns and Roses. Remember those days? Pre-COVID, pre COVID, um, pre. I, know, I riots? remember those days. I, I think uh, it, it's cool to see all these people doing virtual tours, but at the same time, the energy's just not there when you're at a stadium or a, a venue with a bunch of people that are. Huh. Oh, I'll I tell know. you what, man. It was like next week. Oh, Kenny Chesney was supposed to be here. We were gonna. What's really... our What's our new normal gonna be when we get out of here? Yeah, that's that's a deep question. Um, um, my sense I is my, I to get no, no. Point. I'm going to give you the quick one on this, right? So, um, I think we should all, one. The kids got to go back to school in the fall. Um, two, uh, the new normal will be. I will drop my handicap down to a five. No chance. Three, you will uh, be you will be top five on the Corn Ferry tour, and um, um, and then uh, by twenty twenty one, when the Masters is being played in April, you won't be carrying a bag, my friend. Wardo and I will be on the sidelines, just rooting on you, baby. The problem is, is they have this the BS moment. wraparound season, so we gotta we might we might be guaranteed unless he goes Battlefield promotion to have our good buddy yeah, here next it. May. Let's right. go. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's get that's to it. That's what the kids say, right? Let's it, go. Let's go, baby. Let's effing go. If if Agnew kicks you out of his house, you can stay at Sully's. He's got a pub in his basement. I got a nice Irish pub. Yeah. And we'll, cool. Yeah. And I'm just going to visit there, man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on anytime. Come on, let's baby. Let's go. All right, good. What do you got, Wardo? So so uh, we're going to go deep down on uh, on Andres right here. You've got some, some I want to hear the Charles prepare. Barkley story first. Oh! How'd, you, how'd you become pals with Charles? Uh, I actually met Charles through Colt Notes. Uh, we were shocker. At the Phoenix <laughs> opens another and, shocker. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, Colt calls me. He's like, Hey, I want you to meet one of my friends. And I was like, all right, uh, where are we going? He told me this bar. Shocker. So I get there and his friend is Charles Barkley. I'm like, Hey, this is kind of cool. And, uh, Sat there, and this guy knew everything about every sport, from NASCAR to golf to polo. I mean, this guy is a pretty deep wealth of knowledge as far as sports. He knew all of my stats and could tell you about other players' stats and who's leading the NASCAR circuit. I'm like, this is incredible. Wow. Uh, but I was living in Las Vegas at the time, and he said that he was going to Vegas for a, uh, a Super Bowl party, which was the next week. And he said, you should come. I was like, all right. So I went there and we hung out with him and uh, just gambled and danced, went to a couple clubs. Uh, so let's say maybe a year later, I'm in Orlando. Uh, in between, I was playing Corn Ferry Tour at the time, and or I guess it was Nationwide Tour at this time. <laughs> and we had a week off and I was in Panama instead of going all the way back to the, to Washington. I went up to a buddy named Jim Renner's house and just stayed at his place in Orlando. And the NBA all-star game was there that week. And so I 
texted Charles, like, are you in town for this? Do you want to play golf? And he goes, yeah, I get in town. And so we went out and played golf. And I was pretty intimidated. He goes, all right, we're going to play $1,000 a hole. I'm like, we are. <laughs> he goes, I want, I, want, I want a shot a hole. And I was like, all right, uh, maybe this guy got better and I don't know about it. And <laughs> a little bit. I think he's trying to intimidate me. He's like, all right, here we go. And it, he won a couple holes. He made, he made two pars and then the rest of it, I went and kind of cleaned his house a little bit. And there's no way that I would ever even consider taking that money just because the guy is such a good dude. Yeah. I think he was trying to just throw me off and I took it, but there's like, he's just, I, he wasn't going to ever win that bet. So it would just be taking money. I mean, if I did take it and made him pay me, I think he would do it, but that would be the end of it. We probably wouldn't talk anymore. Just, yeah. Right. How much did you let him off the hook for? Well, if we do the math, Enough. he won two holes. Let's do the math. He won two holes. So it was 16 yeah. G's, 16 G's. He let yeah. him walk away. Yeah. You got it. That's right. Fuck, that's a nice Ford fusion. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'm not. Get a new I, golf I cart. was never ever going to take that because the friendship has be, has become way more than that, and I think he he would totally look at me as a schmuck because there's no chance he was going to beat me in that game. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what? You have sixteen thousand dollar coupon to vodkas right now. Yeah, that you oh, really yeah, should. Yeah, let that. Uh, I've got a I've got a credit. <laughs> and Sully and I, just for the record, we're plus tens when it comes to bottle service vodkas. So the keep... only thing I got to make sure that I keep my wife away from him because whenever he sees my wife, he's always smooching up on her. I'm like, man, you got to get out of here. You're making me look bad. Oh, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Joe Biden does that. It's not a big deal. Amazing. <laughs> by the way, by the way, I need some. Dude, man, I... Speaking of Colt, I need some good dirt on Colt. We just went on a trip to Vail a couple weeks ago. Uh, Myself and Colt and another uh, another celebrity named George Brett. Uh, Colt, there's a common theme here. Colt's a jersey chaser. But we're doing a show tomorrow with Colt, so I need some dirt on Colt before you uh, before uh, tomorrow. But yeah, speaking Colt, of, you're right. He's a total jock sniffer for sure. He uh, <laughs> Colt. Gosh, dirt on Colt. I don't have any dirt on Colt, man. He it's it's hard to get dirt on Colt. Everybody likes Colt. He's always hanging around beautiful women. How does he I, do it? I I don't really comprehend it either, man. Uh, self belief, Andres. Self belief. It applies. He just must be hung too. It must be hung. <laughs> we'll we'll just pass that. We'll help him out a little bit. He looks like he looks like when he wears that backwards hat. He looks like Turtle from Entourage. <laughs> right he's got a he's got a pretty good cheese eating smile he's got the most beautiful eyes i've ever seen in my life so that probably does it for, oh. for women he just he just keeps the eye contact going he zoolanders he don't, does the, just the, don't be like colt don't be like quit colt and quit quit the game of golf it's too much fun all right yeah. here we go hey, wait, wait, one more question one more question in the same um same genre here you've got to be friends with our boy aaron fleener because he's right up your alley too. Have you met Aaron Fleener? JT Postman's Yeah, I know caddy. Aaron pretty well. Yeah, Postman's caddy for sure. Yeah. Uh, I've I've hung out with him quite a bit, and he can he can go. He's fun to have a few pops with, and he can sing. I don't know if you knew that. So when you get him when you get him a little boozed up, and you get some music on, the guy can just serenade people. So 
Hang on. That's one of that's oh. one of my favorite things about him. Ah, oh, we had him on. We listen. We we make champions here on the Golf Underground. We had um, he came in to watch an NCAA um, basketball tournament. He's a big uh, Kentucky fan, and so um, so we had him in the studio, and he he. We got him to tell us how much he likes singing. And I said, well, what's your favorite band? He said, um, well, it's Garth Brooks. And I said, well, can you sing? He said, yeah. So he sang yeah. uh, Baton Rouge on our show. And, um, you know, people found out he's a hell of a singer. And then down at the Zurich, you know, they do the walk-up music. You get, you get yep. to, Right? And so um, um, JT, instead of just playing Fleener's song, they had it set up where he had the microphone. And so Fleener sang um, Baton Rouge um, at the Zurich. And since then, his career has really blown up, and it all started right here on the Golf Underground. <laughs> the postman. Is I right. love it. Yeah, we change nice, lives. Nice little, nice little plug for the Golf Underground there, too. That's you're right. probably going to win. Within the next two weeks, you're probably going to win. I'm just going to say God, And we say had that. it on your little board there, and you erased it? You erased all my music? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right, first question. You ready for the Sheridan's Unforked Eating Good and Feeling Good? Emergency 9? Let's go. You've done a lot of these podcasts. What's your favorite show you've been on? <laughs> oh, is that a trap? Maybe. Maybe. It's a it's a tie between Golf Underground and Subpar. Ah, I like it. I like it. All right, we'll take that. We'll take that as a win. <laughs> okay. Speaking of Subpar, Colt Nost wants to know what the last movie you went to that you cried at was. <laughs> uh, movie or or went went to or saw? I haven't saw, been to one recently. Saw. Uh, I, I watched How to Train Your Dragon yesterday with my girls, so probably that one. Amazing! You cried at that? I cry in everything, bro. And <laughs> everything. He's gonna cry after the winner's circle in a couple weeks. I here, can't bro. Help it. Have you have you seen Die Hard? It's a tearjerker. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's, I guess. All right, here we go. Thank you, Colt, by the way. <laughs> there it is, Colt. Okay, here we go. Favorite caddy, other than Fleener, that you'd want to go have some pops with? Eric Larson, caddy like for it. Harris English. I like it. Let's get Larson on the show. Hey, who, who's the coolest guy you've played golf with on tour? Coolest guy? Yeah. Ooh, it's a Graham Dillette. Graham Dillette. Oh, do you know, you know Julian Trudeau? He used to, he was my college roommate freshman year at Wichita State before I transferred. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I know Julian, Julian well. JT Julian. Money. He's a good dude. Good golf swing. All right. Best ball striker you've ever seen. Ooh. Graham Dillette. Wow. I like it. Is there something you're not telling us about Graham Dillette that you want to share? No, here but that, the, that, just, the... that just happened to, to be two, two answers for the same. Must be the facial hair. He's got facial hair, too, so uh, kind of like you. Yeah, he yeah it's strong. Yeah, he wouldn't like you. All right, here's my question. Got his own. Go for it. Um, do you respect Kanye West? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know much about Kanye West, but sure, he's He's his own person. He says what he wants. I don't oftentimes uh, respect 
some of the things that he, or care, I guess, not respect has nothing to do with it, care for some of the things that he does, but he's his own person, man. I respect everybody. Oh, what a nice way to live. All right. If you could pick up, pick one guy's short game to get up and down out of the ball washer, who are you taking? Luke Donald. Nice. He's been doing a lot of vids lately on the good old Instagram. He's been keeping me mild. I know. It looks, it looks right. like he either got super bored over quarantine or I don't know if he's looking at the future. I don't know what's going on there. But If this is his audition. You should, you should watch those videos. That guy has a clue. If, if this is his audition to come teach here at the golf stable, we can get him an application. Online. Yeah. I think Online. That, <laughs> we can't have he'd him. be a He'd be a good one, man. I mean, former number one in the world. Another guy that doesn't really hit it super far, but or or super straight, but just can got to number one in the world by doing what he was good at, and that was chipping wedges and putting. I like it. All right, I got one. Hey, um, Andres, have you ever slapped someone in the face? <laughs> uh, no. Okay, good. You should slap Colt Nose for that que- <laughs> for that question he gave me. You should slap me. <laughs> All right, t- uh, two All final right. questions, Wardo. Two questions. Go ahead. No, you go. All right. The most nervous you have ever been on the first tee? 2011 U.S. Open at Congressional. The 10 pole is like 205, 210 yards all over water, and there were about 25,000 people right at the clubhouse watching. I couldn't get the ball on the tee. Uh, usually I'd hit like a six iron. It was a little bit downhill. And I hit a four iron just thinking, get it over the water. And that back bunker looks phenomenal. <laughs> and I kind of chunked it and it flew two feet onto the green. I thought for sure it was in the water. And I had 15 feet for birdie. It looked like I knew exactly what I was doing. Nice. <laughs> did you make the putt? I did not. Let me guess. Did you leave it short? No, I got there. I just didn't make it. Oh, that's a good par. That is a good par. Did you loosen up? Did you loosen up after? Did you feel better? I had the whole four. That's good. Hey, I do have one curious question. Uh, One curious question. Yes, sir. Um, Does anyone who is nervous like that, anyone on tour, um, would they ever grab like a, uh, this is a serious question, like a, a little vodka or like a little white claw or like a beer? just to soothe things um, before an event like this? I mean, have you ever heard people talking about that? Like, holy Are you crap, trying to guy, make yourself feel better? The guy had a couple beers and it, things changed. Uh, or is I, that n- unheard I of? Think I think it's definitely talked about, but it's usually hypothetical. But I'll tell you what, and I've actually said this. If I'm in the final group of my first uh, major that I'm playing in the final group of and I'm paired with with Tiger, yeah, I'm, I'm probably gonna have a couple little airplane shots in the locker room just to. Yeah, you might to, even wash it down. To, Maybe yeah. wash it down with some gummies. That's real. No, no, I'm serious. That's a real question, right? Because um, I mean, it's, it, I got to think the Euros do this. You kidding me? Before those Ryder Cup matches, the, the Irish are throwing a couple pints back. Zero chance it's not happening. <laughs> you telling me that? Angel Jimenez doesn't look like he's <laughs> wasted all the time. 
<laughs> totally. Yeah, that freaking those stogies are just laced with oh something god. amazing. Oh my god, I want it like a burn victim. Some of that CBD gum. <laughs> I love uh, it. All right, do you have a final closer word before we we've kept them away? The kids are getting up at the Gonzalez house right now. He's, he's got to make go. the, his famous pancakes. He's got to make this morning. <laughs> all right, blueberry. If, if you could yep. go, if you could go out in one city other than Kansas City, because we know you love it here. What town are you going out to? Where do you want to go? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I like Charlotte a lot. I've had some good times in Charlotte. Good answer. I like it. By I'm, the way, I'm gonna throw another one in there too. Chicago, Chicago, and Charlotte. Yeah. By the way, I took Sully down to the Austin to Austin for the World Golf Championships last year, and guess who we had on the show? Good old Anne Marie Gildersleeve, who I oh, think. Oh yeah. He, who I think you've worked with. Oh, that's right. I re- she talked a lot about you. I remember yeah, I that. I worked with her from from probably 13 to 16. Yep. Yep. She talked no lie. Yeah. I re- this I forgot about that. Good old Anne Marie. Yep. She was a big fan of yours. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. She uh, yeah, we we split ways. I'm mean, just like everybody in the golf business. Every player's third Probably had nothing that it had nothing to do with her, but everybody everybody was looking to get better. And I had a, a guy that was close to me up in my woods named Chris Griffin, who I work with now. And this was kind of an easy transition, being that he was he was at home and not in Texas, yeah. close to me. So she's she's a phenomenal teacher, and she's really had a lot of success with the with the junior players that she has down there in Austin. Yeah, and, yeah, and she's you, great. Do you remember one of your famous questions? Wardo always is. Give us who you think should be a guest on the Golf Underground, and you know what she said, Andres, Andres Gonzalez. <laughs> you well, were you no, were on the ref- nice you were one of her referrals. That's it. It just took me about a year to stalk them. So there you go. That's right. That's right. All right. Good. I'm not hard to get. A, I'm not hard to get a hold of, guys. So I'm a little disappointed that it took this long. All right. Yeah. Well, here's what we're gonna do. When you, if and when you come back in town, whether it's for an event or just a fun hit and giggle. We're going to do a little live show because I think the folks, we had Joel Damon in for a live show and the folks loved it. Yeah, that was fun. And I think he's got more That's flair awesome. than we Joel. Need, yeah. Maybe well, we can catch a, uh, a Jayhawk game this winter. I can oh my way over there with, with Sammy and we can go watch Kansas play. Oh, that'd Done. Be nice. Let's do a round table, right? Let's maybe we'll get George. Hey, listen to this, Andres. <laughs> with the COVID, we got destroyed. Yeah. We, we had the premier interview set up. And he, he, it was a round table. It was going to be me, Wardo, George Brett as our co-host. Sometimes he comes on, right, um, as a host. And, and it's not us kissing his butt. But we were going to interview Faraday during Masters Week live as a sit-down round table. And so I'm, that, you know, that was our big miss. But we're thinking if you come in town as his replacement, um, I think we'll get better ratings. My my accent isn't as good. True, but when you roll in with a Kenny Powers baseball outfit yeah. on and a baseball bat and some pine tar, yeah, everyone's gonna love it. Yeah, fresh meat. Oh, can I can I bring a growler or a beer too? Totally. Absolutely. You know, we'll buy it. We'll bring it for you. Okay. You can you can even bring Stevie. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Hey, uh, Andres. Honestly, this was a blast. Thanks. To, I, I know you're home with the family, and that's uh, priority one after working your butt off on tour. 
And so uh, Wardo and I are going to follow you closely. Great things coming your way. You're going to win in the next couple of weeks. You so. are going to win. It, you usually, here. it usually happens this way. You know, Woodland, I love Woodland. it. That's what I'm planning on, boys. That's it, babe. We're giving positive juice and love your way, man. So uh, God bless you, man. I really appreciate you coming. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Brian, Kevin, you guys be safe, and uh, we'll see you down the road. And we're awesome. even going to end it with the Little Masters music, since that's where you, this golf this golf game got catapulted years back. Eight. Don't, don't Eight. you think Jim Nance should start reading books on tape? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That guy, soothing, that guy soothing you to sleep every night? Oh, my gosh. And, the, and the, you know how easy it is to make you cry, right? Can you imagine yeah, the Masters theme and just like a little... Yeah, with him with him reading the Notebook in the background. <laughs> oh wait, wait. What's the favorite kids' book? It's the um, the Green Room. You know what is it? Um, oh, you don't have kids. Good night, yet. Moon. Good night, Moon. That's the one. All right, give us one verse of Good Night Moon with with the um, Masters back theme. Go ahead, Vordo, turn it up. Yeah, good. Good night, Mush. Good night, Sweet Lady Whispering Hush. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and good night brush good night comb oh, this man, is perfect yeah. yes all right all right papa get ready to go read that to your two-week-old baby hey listen we had a great time andres gonzalez wardo sully tomorrow we got another great program this has been an awesome hour of my life so hey we'll see you in a few days golf underground espn radio Peace.